You're listening to episode 119 of the IDRA Class Notes Podcast. And what's really key about being conscientious of creating a value-driven or asset-based lesson is that we have to look at, historically, the minimal opportunities that students had to engage and really learn in a meaningful capacity what it means to know science and what it means to become an informed citizen so they can evaluate their surroundings and use science to make those choices. So the application of science into real life is critical, and not just learn it for that moment and leave it in the classroom when they walk out. I want to say hello to everybody, and I really want to thank you for joining us today. We have a really exciting and interesting topic. Our guest uh, today is Veronica Betancourt, one of the IDRA staff members who does a great work in science and uh, language, first and second uh, language learners. And uh, today, Vero is going to be focusing our attention on the whole notion of value-driven lessons and just what they are, how they work, why they're important, what the research is saying. But Veronica, I just want to thank you once again for taking time out of your really busy schedule uh, to spend some time with me talking about this issue and uh, just what it is and why it's important. But just say hello to everybody and give give us a sense of what this notion of asset-based lesson or value-driven lessons are all about. Thank you, Dr. Scott, for having me. It is always a pleasure conversing with you. And I am really excited about this topic because it is so important in order to move students to become scientifically literate as adults and to make be informed decision makers. An asset-based lesson, also known as a value-driven lesson, is, is one where the lesson is not focused around the curriculum, but rather is responsive to the students and using the curriculum as a vehicle for learning. And what I mean by that is when we value students we value their culture, their linguistic backgrounds. We value their family life and their social um, interactions at school. We are conscientious of how they interact so we can capitalize on that. And most importantly, we bring student voice into it. And we give them the opportunity to have a very focused and intentional learning Opportunity so that they themselves can find meaning in what they're doing. And so we build on their emotionals, on their emotional capacities. We build on their emotions so that we can ensure engagement. That's great. So it really becomes a learning experience then for the uh, student that is uh, really rich, it sounds like. I know that you've, you've written an article for our newsletter uh, that will give uh, folks a bigger understanding of these issues. And I'm aware uh, that there is the Science Instructional Strategies for English uh, Learners that also becomes a basis for a lot of what you talk about. But I really want to make sure that I understand why this is so important for English language learners. Well, in our publication, Science Instructional Strategies for English Learner, we outline several key strategies that will catapult language learners in the science classroom. I remember we had a conversation about that earlier. Yes, Uh and we will continue to have some in the future as we outline each of them so that our listeners can have access to what that would look like in the classroom. And what's really key about being conscientious of creating a value-driven or asset-based lesson is that we have to look at, historically, 
the minimal opportunities that students had to engage and really learn in a meaningful capacity um, what it means to know science and what it means to become an informed citizen so they can evaluate their surroundings and use science to make those choices of whatever that choice might be. So for example, um, we've heard before that drivers should check their tire pressure periodically when you get your tires rotated or changed. A lot of that has to do with your gas laws. So in Charles's law, it talks very specifically that as you increase heat, you increase the volume of gas. Well, in a closed system like a tire, in the summer when it gets hot, you're going to have an increased pressure and a higher risk for a potential blowout if you don't manage your air pressure in your car. Consequently, the opposite happens in the winter because a decrease in your temperature will cause a decrease in the volume of your tires and therefore cause a road hazard because you won't be able to control the car as well. So the application of science into real life is critical, and we want children to have the opportunity to become informed citizens as they grow older, as they're able to apply that knowledge of science, and not just learn it for that moment and leave it in the classroom when they walk out. They actually use it in their lives. Absolutely. Who is this Charles guy, by the way? <laughs> he, he is a scientist, and he came up with this gas law. That's great. Let me ask you, Vera, what is the research saying about this whole notion of value-driven lessons? Um, there's a lot of research that revolves around literacy, around brain research, around affect in terms of learning. And all of it really comes to a head and, and speaks of the importance of creating an emotionally driven environment that engages students in a positive way and builds on their own abilities and capacities and to continue to create and and further the capacities in such a way that they can engage in the science. So if a student comes in with, let's say, minimal or difficulty communicating in the English language, we create a lesson that is responsive so that they are able to communicate either through gestures, Mm -hmm. through shortened conversation, or through structured responses so that they can utilize their understanding of science and actually communicate in an academic way. As they begin to gain their proficiencies and increase in their proficiencies, then they can engage in different ways. But we have to be responsive to that. That really makes a lot of sense. So this whole notion of learners being engaged, connected, emotionally connected to what it is they're learning, also it seems like it would increase their, their desire to want to learn and to want to engage curriculum in a very different kind of way. And also, it it seems like it might even open a door to some application in their real lives. Is that where you're going? That's absolutely what it is. And if we can understand students' backgrounds, they feel valued. Mm -hmm. We give them a voice in the lesson. And it doesn't become about the content. It becomes about how students interact with that content. It becomes how that content can be utilized in students' lives as opposed to how do students memorize. And so as we are moving in the direction of standardized testing, we are no longer asking for rote memorization. Mm -hmm. We're asking for application and synthesis and evaluation and judgment of scientific processes. And unless students have that practice in the classroom and we create a responsive, engaging, emotionally driven, and student-centered lesson then students, it doesn't matter how good we are in the classroom, students will never be able to make that application and demonstrate their knowledge and learning from exceptional teachers because they didn't have the practice. 
are there one or two things that teachers need to know in terms of their own teaching capacities to make this kind of an experience happen? Absolutely. There's a couple of things, several things I'd like to share. Okay. The first thing, the most important thing at this juncture to keep in mind when you begin to create an, an asset or value-driven lesson is to begin with the end in mind. We look at the curriculum standards, the state standards, or whatever the assessment is going to be, and we think about what does that mean for students. So when you begin with the end in mind, it should always be at the forefront of a child's learning opportunity, not at what our kid's going to learn. So instead of asking yourself, how much time do I have to get to this activity because this activity hits the content, the question should be, how engaged will my kids be with the content so that they can build to that capacity. That's a very different way of looking at things, isn't Absolutely, it? because it becomes a focus on the student. Right, right. We take into consideration. I, that's great. We have to be cognizant of their experiences, their emotional experiences, their linguistic capacities, and their personal experiences with the culture and how things, how they interact in their life mm-hmm. so that we can build on their own prior knowledge. We also really important and often overlooked, even though it has been said to be on the forefront, is the intentional use of charts and graphs. If you build your lesson, include some kind of conceptual mapping, some kind of evaluative mapping that they have to look at a chart or a graph or create some kind of a graphic representation where they have to evaluate data and knowledge and allow students to create that. Don't just give them a pre-made one and say, mm-hmm. let's, let's look at this and I'm going to help you. Let them struggle with how do you demonstrate your knowledge of the data? How do you organize the data? How do you organize your understanding of the content and materials? How do you create an opportunity not just for a Venn diagram or for a fishbone map or say here, you're going to do a T-chart. Say here, here's information. What do you do with it? How do you organize it? And then you can get a quick assessment of how students actually think because you see how they do it themselves. And finally, uh, what are some of the big ideas you want us to leave uh, this conversation with? I think one of the biggest things that we can do to begin to make our lessons asset-based is be conscientious of how to lower a student's effective filter. How do we access the student so they can become emotionally engaged in the lesson? And the one thing that we can do is by valuing our students. That's great. Uh And we can look at what they bring to the table what they're able to accomplish, and then spiral so that we can continue to expand on those capacities and they can become engaged citizens eventually for science. That's great. Any others? I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. Um, The research speaks very loudly and very clearly, and it's a combination of it. You have to be able to synthesize it ourselves so that we can create opportunities for kids. And you know... While we're talking about um, linguistically different uh, learners, or at least the focus of this conversation has been that this sounds like just great learning opportunities for any learner. I know that there are the differences around first and second language acquisition and some of the adaptations you make for that learner, but this just sounds like good teaching and good learning for any learner, regardless of who he or she is in the classroom and supporting their success. So I just want to thank you for that, Veronica. It was great having you with us today, and great uh, listening to these ideas. I would encourage our listeners to be looking uh, for your article in the coming issue of the IDRA newsletter. 
uh, the, our February issue, and um, also see what kinds of things they can access online around these concepts, which will be hugely important. I'm glad also that you'll be sharing in your article some of the research that people can also look for that will help them as teachers, as educators in the classroom, to do more and be more in support of their students and their student success. Thank, Thank you. you all for joining us today, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you the next time. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.